All right, everybody. Welcome back to Duck and the Usher, a movie podcast, a show about two friends talking about their favorite movies, um, whether they be box office bombs, sleeper hits, cult classics, or just generally forgotten films. I am one half of that duo, Zachary W. Fisher, former backyard wrestler, body piercer, and karaoke superstar. (laughs) And with me, as always, is my uh, counterpart, Mr. Joshua A. Stenkamp. Magician, artistic director, and host of the karaoke <laughs> that makes you the karaoke superstar. Yeah, that's right. It's all full circle here. Uh, welcome back again to another episode. Our show is brought to you by all of the lovely people who support our uh, Patreon page. Uh, I will I will list off all of those names uh, at the end. And, of course, the show is produced by Mr. A.J. Simmons. Thank you again, as always. Yep, yep. And also the good homies down at the Copper Fox Tattoo Company. They are located in Kissimmee, Florida on West 192. Uh, and you can reach them at 407-397-9938. Um, if you were ever in the need for a tattoo and you live in the Central Florida area. Also... If you live in the Central Florida area, specifically Kissimmee or St. Cloud, please keep your ear to the ground for Theater in the Cloud, and I'll let Josh tell you about what that is. Yeah, so I run, oh, geez, I'm the artistic director for Theater in the Cloud. We're the first ever community theater in St. Cloud, Florida, and our next production is coming up here in December. We're doing It's a Wonderful Life, the radio play, so a live radio play. You walk in, it looks like a 1940s radio station. We got people doing sound effects, the old Foley style. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Hell Auditions yeah. are next week. So if you're yeah. listening to this and you live in Central Florida, um, check out our Facebook page, Theater in the Cloud. That's R-E, the English spelling, so Theater in the Cloud. And we hope to see you there. Yeah. Look out for tickets or tell your uh, talented friends and family members to uh, to audition. Yeah. All right. And today, uh, uh, as we always kick off the uh, show, I'd like to talk a little bit about what we've been uh, watching lately. Anything from your watch list of particular uh, Man, interest. I, I should have written stuff down because I was thinking about it the other day. So I rewatched all the Harry Potters. Oh wow! All the Fantastic Beasts, like the two. They're all right. The two. The two. <laughs> um, I started watching Leverage Redemption, like the, the new one that came out. It's on like IMDb TV from the show Leverage. Yeah. So they did like another Is that series. Timothy uh, Timothy Hutton, but he's not yeah. in this one because oh. last year Timothy Hutton got slapped with a. You touched me when I was 14 in 1983. Oh, he got scooped up in that? Yeah, so they kind of killed his character off. Ooh. So uh, Noah Wiley's in it, which I love Noah Wiley. I think he does a great job in everything he does. From Holy the library. I didn't know Hutton, guys. Hutton was being Yeah, no, creep, he, I guess, yeah, I guess uh, some girl from 1983 accused him of doing something. So he kind of... Yeah, was it, he, was, he was pretty young then. Wasn't yeah, in '83, I'd say so. Wasn't he? In, was I think, that I show think, Taps? I think. I think the girl. The girl. Movie? The girl said she was 14. He was 22 or something. like oh, that. Oh snap! Yeah, it's bad. So don't do we, that. We don't know if it's true or not, but he kind of got blackballed. But uh, it was a good show. Other than that, been watching a couple movies here and there. I watched the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Watched the Bill and Ted Face the Music. Those are okay. Okay. Um, <clears throat> watched the movie that we're gonna be talking about. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I just watch a lot of shit. Yeah, I do too. Uh, uh, I did take in a few horror movies. I got onto this like vampire movie kick. Um, I watched. Uh, ever seen Stakeland? No. If you have like Pluto TV or uh, Tubi, they're really good like post-apocalypse vampire movies. Gotcha. It's kind of like The Road and Mad Max meets. Uh, well, I can't think of a third detail there, but it's uh, it's it's like the world got ravaged by a vampire. Uh, disease or plague mm. and so now all the normal people who are still like unaffected are just roaming around in this world where everything is dark and gloomy <clears throat> public services are gone everyone just lives in these little pockets of 
civilization and then there's there's all kinds of there's like a power vacuum so there's groups doing what they need to do to to make their patch <laughs> safe or not anyway it's pretty fun there's two sequels or there's one sequel to it it's pretty good i watched sleepwalkers which was the stephen king like cat people vampire movie with nope, uh, alice creege um cat alice creege is yeah it, well, yeah they're all cat people and they they sort of like sap the life energy out of like young women and there's this one guy who's terrorizing this woman and her his mother is also like this eternal figure they both look about the same age but they're they're a mother and son huh. <clears throat> anyway it's it's a weird one uh ron perlman is in it and when he's very young this is like the early 90s probably still looks the same though right uh, I mean, he, you can tell he's aged, but he still has that goofy look to him. <laughs> uh, I think we talked a little bit about what that condition was, but I can't remember what it is right now. I watched 30 Days of Night and its sequel, which is nigh unwatchable. Uh, don't waste your time with didn't, that. Didn't they make a TV series of that? 30 Days of Night? Yeah. There, yeah. I, yeah, it was like on Bright House Networks or yeah. something weird. Yeah, it was a short I didn't. I liked like, it. It wasn't miniseries. bad. Yeah. Apparently, yeah, according like to everyone I've... or something? Everyone, yeah, everyone I've talked to has said that it's better than the sequel. And the sequel just turned it into a really poorly lit shoot 'em up, uh, which is set in L.A., which sort of takes the 30 Days of Night title. Yeah, because it's supposed to be like Alaska and shit. Right? Yeah, well, that's the whole conceit of the thing is the fact that vampires can run amok when there's no sunlight. You know, take them down to the Antarctica during an austral uh, winter or whatever. Anyway, I watched Life Force. That was rad. Thief and the Cobbler, of course, I got into that. And I randomly watched Benny and June the other day. And That's I, a great I, film. I love it. I think it's my favorite like romantic comedy or, or dramedy, romantic movie. One of them. Anyway, <clears throat> super fun. Um, and then, yeah, I had a great time diving into this one. I missed an opportunity to go see both uh, Shang-Chi and uh, there was another one I wanted to see. I think it was Free Guy. Um, yeah, I wanted to see Free Guys, Song Chi. I was kind of, kind of just wait till Disney releases it. I'm hearing a lot of good things, so I might have to go see it while it's still in theaters. I, I watched Moneyball also. Oh, that, yeah, it's a good I haven't one. Seen that one in a while. Yeah. And of course, Malignant dropped yesterday or the day before, and I really want to see that. That's a new one from James Wan, and it looks kind of bonkers. Um, and it's getting pretty good reviews too. So yeah, that's, that's where I am. That's where I landed. Nice. Well, our movie today is. A very confusing backstory. Mm -hmm. I'm going to kind of give you what I have here, and I don't okay. even know if this says 95, so I don't even know if it's the right one. Well, there were a couple of re releases. Yeah, well, I'm typing up Thief and the, the Cobbler. 7.1 out of 10, 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think that mm -hmm. kind of goes across the board. Yeah. Um, this movie did not do very well. The budget was $28 million and box office only made about 669000 So Wow. Yeah, it was... Pretty much a flop, and especially once you start talking about the backstory, yeah. you kind of figure out why this so happened. One of the interesting things, like right off the oh, right and the our, our movie is the Thief and the Cobbler. So. Yeah, the Thief and the Cobbler. If and you we, click the thumbnail, you probably know. We, what we're we watched about. the uh, the recobbled cut. Is what I right. watched. So. so there are four cuts, three cuts. There's three, three cuts. Yeah, three cuts, and then well, there's the yeah, there's the there's three cuts, and then the recobbled one, which like fan people put together. With right. That, so so. Technically, this is an unfinished movie yeah. by all rights. Um, however, there, it has been quote-unquote finished by all the entities that, that, became, um, in, that came into possession of it and then put it out there just so that they had a product to release. And, and then the, long, the story is very long and kind of convoluted. I've tried my best to uh, make a very more condensed uh, version of that story, which I will talk about here in just a few minutes. Um, 
And this is, I believe, holds the record at least for the longest production time of an animated film, if not um, it took a like film what, in general. Years, because there was another like that? movie that took about forty-eight years oh, to wow. create, and that was a that was one that just came out uh, three years ago. Yeah, because this was conceived in the sixties, and it didn't drop until like 92, 93. 92, 93, Yeah, depending on what market you were in, because there was originally a release in Australia. Um, yeah, by Majestic Films. I'm sorry. Yeah, and that was The Princess and the Cobbler. Well, you have the 92 work print, which is, I think, the, what right. the recobbled cut actually is. I think they took the, they used the work print as part of the recobbled cut yeah. because the recobbled cut also uses, like, elements like storyboards and, and unfinished, like, animatics. Animation, yeah, like the yeah. cells and stuff, which I actually really enjoyed. Yeah, it was kind of like cool 100%. to see it that way, and it helps provide a little more context. Also, I liked the way uh, the recobbled cut kind of like takes the original the baddies the real the real threat to the whole story and kind of removes them to the back half of the movie they weren't really a thing like right up front oh the one eyes yeah yeah anyway um so yeah the, all in all this movie took about 29 to 31 years depending on where you know whose source you're reading uh and it took a quite a long time and it was um it's still held among like animators and animation enthusiasts as being one of the greatest and like legendary, I would agree. 100%. Movies of in this genre, um, and I would have to agree as well. It's a real damn shame, though, that it can never reach the lofty heights that it deserves because it's unfinished. And with the death of its creator Richard Williams back in 2019, I don't think we'll ever see an officially finished version from him or approved by him. And when I say I don't think, I mean we never will <laughs> because he's dead. Um, but we can still see, you know, his work and and his career, which was awfully uh, full of stuff you've, uh, you know, might have seen as well. Thief and the Cobbler just being his passion project. He also had his hands in a few other pro uh, projects that you definitely are aware of. This movie does hold the, the, the Guinness record. It does? Yeah, it says with Thief and the Cobbler uh, being out of production in 64 until 1993, with a total of 29 years, it surpasses the 20-year Guinness record. That was the one that yeah, was previously held, held previous. by... Tiefland? Tiefland? Yeah, it's a German like uh, director. <clears throat> yeah, it says that there's other films that have longer ones, but this one holds it because it was actually finished. Somewhere. No, this movie isn't finished. No, but it says here, it's like, although films exist with productions longer still, such as like The Other Side of the Wind, at, That's 40, the at 48 yeah. years. Uh, yeah. So. But how does this hold the record then if the other one is a longer production time? I don't know. That's yeah, what it says. Well, uh, that's what I said. Yeah. That's why I said, like, it's confusing. It... it, it this whole film is confusing. The whole backstory is just... <laughs> it's a little confusing, yeah. yeah. Actually, yeah. Let me hop into this first part here. Sure the, uh, the Thief and the Cobbler is an animated film released in 1993. I'm using that year for just for the sake of generalization. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> uh, from director Richard Williams. Williams originally uh, conceived uh, of the film when he um, as a story he dreamed up in the 1960s. Um, over the course of the next three decades, the film would move in and out of production due to independent funding and the animator's lofty ambition for the scope as well as the technical aspects of the feature. It was never put into uh, full production until 1989 uh, when Warner Brothers agreed to finance and distribute. Production unfortunately fell behind and over budget resulting um, in Warner Brothers taking the project from Williams. Excuse me. Oh, I had a little bubble up there. Uh, so they took the movie from um, Richard Williams and handed it over to producer Fred Calvert, who worked for this completion firm, um, 
who then had the film re-edited and hastily recut and eventually released under the title The Princess and the Cobbler in 1993 by Allied Filmmakers. Two years later, Miramax, a Disney subsidiary, released another re-edit entitled Arabian Night. This is probably the most recognizable version with the voice talents of Vincent Price and Matthew Broderick, Jennifer Beals, and Jonathan Winters. It's also a musical, right? Isn't it, or is that they added three numbers, yeah, three, three musical three numbers, numbers to it, yeah. <clears throat> Since the legend uh, of its history and fans of Williams and his work have grown and interest in restoring the film to its original version has also grown, in 2013, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences archived Richard Williams' own 35mm work print, and Williams has also acknowledged the uh, film's rehabilitated, rehabilitated reputation, thanks in part to uh, Garrett Gilchrist's popular fan edit, The Recobbled Cut. As well as the 2012 documentary from Kevin Schreck called The Persistence of Vision, uh, detailing the film's production. In fact, uh, 20 years before that documentary, another had come out in the UK called Richard Williams and the Thief Who Never Gave Up, which I think was also a working title for the film at one point. Uh, this documentary showcases uh, Richard's career up to that point and how he was still trying to finish the movie, which at that point was already 18 years into production, and this was 1982. And had only about 10 minutes of animation at that point <laughs> complete and no more funding. Uh, and that was due to the fact that they had originally had a, a full start making this movie before everything that they had created was taken from them mm -hmm. in another incident, which I will detail here in just a moment. Um, <clears throat> with the film um, being in and out of production for a total of 29 years, it beat the Guinness record uh, previous holder by uh, Tieflin by about nine years which you just mentioned, that film took 20 years to make. Uh, there is a film that took longer still. The 2018 release, The Other Side of the Wind, holds the record for a movie being in production the longest at 48 years, and that's from 1970 to 2018. Yeah. In 1964, Richard Williams was an animator living in London, United Kingdom, having uh, been born in Canada to artistic parents as well. His mother was an artist and an illustrator, and his father was also a commercial artist. So from a very young age, he had a... Uh, a healthy uh, appreciation and respect for the arts and himself was a very talented artist at a young age. <clears throat> at the time he ran a studio, this is in 1964, uh, that produced animated commercials and ads and special sequences for live action films. Um, Williams had also illustrated a series of books um, by, I'm going to attempt to pronounce this correctly, <laughs> Idris Shah or Idris Shah or Idreus Shah, I'm not sure, which told the tales of Mullah Nasruddin, who was a Suljic satirist uh, of the, in the uh, 13th century. <clears throat> it might well, be Idreus, it might be like the, the, <coughs> like the Adrian Sea or anything like that. No, it's I-D-R-E-S, Idris or Idris. Idris, Idris, Idris Shah, yeah. Uh, anyway, he had written a series of tales about uh, Mullah Nasruddin, who was a, uh, a Seljuk uh, artist or satirist rather in the 13th century and was well known for his big round hat look like an onion uh, so Williams began development uh, on a film based on these stories striking a deal with the Shaw family uh, production took place at Williams studios in Soho Square in London all the while Williams took on more commercial work as a means of funding this work and at this point, it was titled The Amazing Nasruddin. Uh, everything that they were um, putting together was going to be about this particular uh, person. Uh, 
1970, the project was retitled The Majestic Fool, <clears throat> and a potential distributor was showing an interest. By 1972, dialogue had been recorded, and the studio had uh, animated around three hours of footage. And this was also by the time they had Vincent Price had recorded his, uh, his lines. But Williams had noticed the Shaw family's bookkeeper wasn't keeping track of the studio's accounting, and Williams felt that producer Omar Shaw had been embezzling money from the studio for his own purposes. Oof. <clears throat> this resulted in the falling out between Williams and the Shaw family, forcing him to abandon Nasruddin and having to hand over the rights to his illustrations to the family as well. But they did allow him to keep one character design, that being the thief character, which was also his favorite. So if there's one piece of the original, the very original um, work that he was putting together for this movie, it was that of the character design for the thief. It's the only which, thing that's which I, I, Yeah, I can't wait to talk about the thief. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, and now from 1972 to 1978, the project soldiered on. Williams commissioned a new script, which introduced a new character, a clumsy cobbler. Now Williams was promising a 100-minute Panavision epic with hand-drawn cast of thousands. Uh, the two main characters were to be mute, citing inspiration from silent comedies and stars like Charlie Chaplin and Harry Langdon. Uh, and by 1974, a recession forced the studio to focus on commercial work, putting the film on the side. And in 1978, just four years later, a Saudi Arabian prince became interested and agreed to fund a 10-minute test sequence with a budget of $100,000. <clears> the studio worked hard, deciding on an ambitious scene for the test, but missed deadlines and had budget overruns to the tune of about $250,000. The prince backed out. And by the 1980s, Williams put together a 20-minute sample reel of the thief to show to a mentor of his who was working at Skywalker Ranch in Marin County. Star Wars producer Gary Kurtz even helped Williams attempt to secure financing. And in 1986, after Kurtz left, producer Jake Eberts of Allied Filmmakers eventually provided $10 million of the film's $28 million budget, and the film began production in industry trades under the working title Once. Around this time, Steven Spielberg saw the footage of The Thief and was so impressed that he and Bob Zemeckis asked Williams to direct the animation for Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which came out in 1988. Williams won two Oscars for his work on the film, hoping to get help from Spielberg and Disney to distribute The Thief. That plan eventually did not work out either, with both parties eventually turning attentions elsewhere. But because of his success... He, or rather, he negotiated funding with Warner Brothers and a distribution deal for The Thief and the Cobbler, which included a uh, which included market marketing budget. Now in full production in 1989, Williams needed new and talented artists because nearly all the original animators were dead or had moved on to other projects. Um, he would hire and fire hundreds of people over this time, with animators uh, working overtime and sometimes 60-hour weeks. But the film was still not finished by the 1991 deadline, and around this time, Disney was beginning work on Aladdin, a film that bears many striking resemblances to The Thief and the Cobbler, like uh, the Jafar and Genie characters, who share many characteristics with the character Zigzag, who is voiced by Vincent Price. 
Jafar also was animated by Williams Studio alumnus Andreas Deja and Eric Goldberg. So there's that. Uh, Warner Brothers had also struck a deal with the Completion Bond Company to ensure the studio would be given a finished film. They sent producer Fred Calvert to Williams' studio to check on the progress, with Calvert concluding the studio was woefully behind and over budget. Uh, Williams was giving dailies of sequences that were finished in the 1980s, hoping to give an indication of progress. And with all the pressure, Williams eventually put together a work print for the studio with unfinished parts replaced with storyboards. On May 13, 1992, this rough version was shown to Warner Brothers and was not well received. Those guys are crazy. I don't know yeah. how they didn't like it. Ah, uh, well, who knows? Warner Brothers lost confidence and backed out entirely with the completion bond company seizing full control of the film and ousting Williams, its original creator, which is bananas. It took Fred Calvert 18 months to finish the film, turning it into a Disney-type musical. After its completion, it was released in South Africa and Australia as The Princess and the Cobbler in September of 1993. In December of 1994, Miramax bought the rights for the North American distribution, and Harvey Weinstein, everyone's favorite producer, that's a joke, decided the film needed a recut and released their version entitled Arabian Night in 1995, opening on only 510 screens, grossing 319723 during its original theatrical run. And eventually, every DVD copy and home video copy of that Miramax cut would be retitled once it was uh, sold for home video use as The Thief and the Cobbler, which is what we know it as today. Yeah. So the one that we're talking about is considered the work print, which is unfinished. So we had a couple guys get together and uh, put together a lovely recobbled cut, which I think... Which they do sell the DVD of that, so I'm like... Uh, yeah, because I, really I believe Williams gave his blessing to it yeah. before he passed. Well, why not? I mean, if they're going to yeah. do it like the way it should have been done. So we're going to go ahead and jump into this. Uh, the intro, the animation, I, I, if you haven't seen this, really, it's on YouTube, guys. I mean, you can go in there and just watch the Uncobbled yeah. Cut. It's there. It's for you guys to you watch. You can watch Arabian Night. You can watch The Princess and the Frog. You can watch The Recobbled Cut. The Princess and the Frog. Or I'm Princess sorry, the Princess and the Cobbler. And the Cobbler. <laughs> Excuse me. You can watch like all three versions on on YouTube, and I did. And uh, the, there, there's definitely something about the um, the Miramax version because of the three musical numbers mm -hmm. are, are real different. Um, but it's super jarring to see like Williams' animation style, and then boom, somebody somebody put together this music musical scene. Um, and it looks like if you were like a child, you wouldn't tell any any different. But in you you watching it, if you have the trained eye for what Williams like, wait, style wrong. is, yeah, yeah, it's like just slightly off. And you're like, mm, I don't get it. It's it's different in the uh, in like the eyes and stuff. I don't. It's well, weird. Yeah, there's a couple characters in this oh. film that I'll talk about that kind of remind me of Disney style characters with their oh, yeah. eyes, like the 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 witch. Um, yeah, and then the the. Uh, the princess's assistant, like she looks like they reused her for something. She reminded me of something. I can't oh, the the little the babushka lady, yeah, with the glasses, with the big man arms. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> just the face. It kind of reminds me of like uh, the maiden Marion's like uh, like handmaiden. Yeah, handmaiden, the nurse, or, or the whomever. Nurse or whatever, yeah, yeah. That, that her character is. She's like beating people up. So it's gonna open up, and uh, the the narrator for this is uh, Felix. Almer, Almer, Al he uh, 
He was a really big Shakespearean actor. Okay. He didn't really do a lot of uh, TV, but he worked with like Lawrence Olivier. He did just a lot of stage production. Okay. He's got a good voice. Got that. And it opens presence. up to this. I, l- I love the opening because it comes in. And you're like, okay, there's a little dot, and it just gets yeah. closer and it closer zooms and in, closer and closer. And it's and like then, the fingers holding the hands. A, an and orb. Just the animation is unbelievable. I don't. I can't push that enough. To how yeah, it's cool true. It is. It's true. And here's the intro, and you kind of sets up like what the story is about. Okay. It is written among the limitless constellations of the celestial heavens and in the depths of the emerald seas and upon every grain of sand in the vast deserts that the world which we see is an altered and visible dream of an inward and invisible reality. Once upon a time, there was a golden city. In the center of the golden city, atop the tallest minaret, were three gold balls. The ancients had prophesied that if the three golden balls Wherever taken away, harmony would yield to discord, and the city would fall to destruction and death. But the mystics had also foretold that the city might be saved by the simplest soul with the smallest and simplest of things. In the city, there dwelt a lowly shoemaker who was known as Tack the Cobbler. Also in the city, Existed a thief. Who shall be nameless? So yeah, I like the music in this, and mm-hmm. I, I think I know that I think for Arabian Nights, and then they they basically they pretty much took most of the music out of this. Uh, they don't really play a lot of the music. And no. And we, yeah. we we meet Tack, which uh, which both Tack and the thief are mute. They, they don't talk in this right. film. Um, and what's I, what I like about Tack is like just the the art on it is that his smile is like actual like tacks, like a cobbler would use to make a, a yeah. soul or something. He's always he always has like two tacks like hanging out of his mouth. Yeah, um, so, and they'll go up and down like if he's sad. Or, and that's how know, they yeah express the emotion. Express for his it. mouth. You never actually yeah you never see any line. That is his mouth doing it, but wherever the tacks are on the bottom of his face, kind of like gives you the suggestion that he's smirking and they're coming out of one side. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. And, I like it. And the thief kind of reminds me of like a, a pig pin type of character from like Charlie Brown because he's yeah. always got like flies. And you can just get he's just dirty, you know. Like yeah. He lives on the street. And he can be smelled. Yeah. Like there's a point where like, tack like. It's like yeah, Tack's tack sleeping, and he goes like <laughs> into the cobbler's house. He's like trying to steal shit from him. Yeah. And then he gets like all wrapped up with tack and. 
they they start to fight. They like stumble outside and they fall into the street. And <clears> when he, <throat> and when Tack falls down, like all his tacks fall out of the street. Yeah. And then you we meet Zigzag, which I'll show a clip of him in a little yeah. bit. Um, when he walks, uh, like I like his shoes because they kind of go like, whoop, like oh yeah, they like roll a, out and like, back a little, like a little party whistle, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he steps on the tack and screams and yeah. pretty much arrests. And he's tack. supposed to be some kind of like he's functionary like, for the. He's like Jafar almost. He's like yeah, the, yeah. That's pr- I mean, really watching it, you're like, this is Jaf- this is the character of yeah. Jafar, 100. percent Like Disney stole this. Like yeah. the, they just took it and went. Yeah, he's just the the advisor to the king that also yeah. does magic and that's right. Speaks in rhymes and shit. Well, yeah, he's a sorcerer, right? Yeah, he's a wizard sorcerer. Okay. So he ends up getting arrested, and it's really hard to explain. But again, just them walking up to the to the the palace, just mm-hmm. the artwork itself is yeah, unbelievable. It's pretty a, phenomenal. A lot of the times when they're running around being chased, it's very uh, Escher kind of paintings. And yeah, the way totally. It, it just optical illusions, like within the, the every, art. Every single frame, like every single frame in this is a beautiful painting. Absolutely, you composite and go. I'd put that on my wall. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, one hundred percent. Yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably put the whole. Work print storyboard like dude, how cool that to have a cell one of those like super cool and yeah. probably impossible yeah because apparently most of this stuff is like gone and lost oh really like everywhere like if you anybody has Someone any of it it's like a pieces or something yeah and then uh, of course there's like the legal problems like I think Miramax might still own it which means like his if Williams estate doesn't have it then everything you want to do with it has to go through. Disney essentially mm-hmm. because they own Miramax. I don't even know. I'm not even really sure like what its status is right now in the world. Like how where it lives as a intellectual property. Tack gets uh, dragged up to the like the Sultan's King Nod. Yeah, uh, that's the, the yeah. Oh yeah, King Nod. King Nod, which he kind of which, which is voiced by Anthony Quayle. Uh, who he was is. In, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. In, like Lawrence of Olivia, yeah. not Lawrence. Lawrence of Olivia, he, Lawrence of Arabia. He's kind of like bumbling that. and 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 sleeping all the time. And a goofball, a lot like the Sultan in Aladdin, where that he's completely like has the wool pulled over his eyes. He's like, oh, what's going on? Ooh, yeah, ooh. who's this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and Zigzag's gonna sentence his attack to death, but then the princess sees him. And is yeah. like, oh, she's like, oh snap! And she like breaks her shoe, and she's like, I, I need, need my shoe fixed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they throw him in prison. But also, like, Zigzag is coming back from, like, another town and brings, like, a gift mm. to the King Nod. And it's just, like, it's, like, a, a cabinet with, like, I think there's women inside of it because. Whoa, it, did I, I feel like I'm missing Do you remember something. that? It's, like, yeah, he's, like, oh, we have gifts for you. And it's just, like, it's, like, a little curtain box thing. And you oh. hear, like. Oh, and there's giggles? Oh, yeah, okay. And I, I think it's just, like, a harem of women. But oh, they don't right. really, like, point at A harem. A harem. <laughs> <laughs> Munchausen kind of feeling. Yeah. Oh, it's, 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 I'm just what happened of, after that? I'm going through. <laughs> um, one interesting thing too is like uh if you're gonna watch oh, yeah. like the Arabian night cut or the uh or the not the the work print or the recobbled cut, Tack does have lines and he has a more involved like uh, yeah, and that's Matthew Broderick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's Broderick, yeah. And uh it's it's kind of jarring too, because there's a scene where um where he's working on his, the, her shoe and she's talking and kind of like giving a little exposition, like for the, for the crowd or whatever. She asks him his name and he just reaches up and hands her attack. And then she's just like, Oh, it's, your name's tack. <clears throat> well, you get the, uh, the Miramax version and it's Matthew Broderick and they, and they put a mouth over his face where there wasn't one before. And, and it's him telling her 
that Heisman's tag. Yeah, I kind of like I like that he doesn't talk because it yeah it is that chaplain thing where you know chaplain said you know I'm 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 a citizen of the world because his films can be shown anywhere because sure. you don't have to speak English. You, know, you can just watch it. So watching oh, okay, this, yeah. you can kind of just you relate to the emotion. So it's really good for children. Right. You just watch that, or if you don't speak English, there's no subtitles. Right. You get the whole movie instantly. Right. Um, you also get the you also kind of get hinted about um, Zigzag's plan a little bit that he wants to marry the, right. wants to marry the daughter. Which is it's exactly what like Jafar Aladdin. wanted to do. Yeah. yeah. And then we see the thief, and the thief decides to. Steal the three balls on top of the minerals. Yeah, because I think his whole his whole deal was he was following. Um, he was following Tack and them. Yeah, because he, they had something that he wanted, and every everywhere he goes, he saw, he sees something bigger and more valuable yeah. that he wants more than whatever he was chasing. And I love him because he's very Chaplin. He's very Mister Magoo at some. Points. Oh, totally Magoo. Yeah, because everything just kind of works out in his favor. But to walk off a building and I beam swings just, around. Yeah, exactly. And he just keeps going like. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see the Magoo live action with, uh, with Leslie, Leslie Nielsen? Nielsen? Yeah, a long time ago when I was a kid. It wasn't uh, that bad, but I, I think I only saw it once. I think I only saw it once. The, I, I like it because you know they're talking and the king's like, "Oh, we're safe because of the the balls. No one yeah. will ever take them." <laughs> and, was, and, 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 and Tack is in like you know the prison. The balls. The balls. But you know you see the the thief trying mm. to like pole vault. And he's like, oh yeah, he, he jumps right through the minaret. Yeah, like so he doesn't make it too far. Then he overshoots it, and he ends up stealing the balls pretty much. Like after yeah. this, this, all right, get it out of your system, everybody. Ha ha, balls, 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 balls. golden, <laughs> three golden balls. <laughs> Did you get any of the clips where the the, the king's like the balls? Uh, I don't know. I think so. I'm okay. trying to think. I, I have six clips because it's kind of hard. That, There's really not a lot of talking in this movie. No, it, it's it's a lot more music. It's just more visual than anything. Oh yeah. Um, the balls get stolen. He gets all freaked out. The balls, but during the stealing, we we get to meet um, the one eyes. It, it zooms ahead, like okay. w- while the thief is trying to steal this shit. It, yeah, it goes to the. And one they're eyes. like this invading army that's like outside of the city, some I distance a, away. I have, I have a clip of him talking. You're gonna hear him talking, but also you're gonna hear a horse because he just demolished like a an army. Yeah, and one guy kind of gets up. He's got like seventeen oh, yeah. arrows There's in like his back. One survivor. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and and the One Eyes guys, they remind me of Emperor Zerg from yeah, uh, they do look like from Toy Story. I'm like, I really think this influenced shape, a lot of people. The head shape, the head shape, you yeah. bet. And the red eyes with the teeth, it, it really reminded me of. And here's kind of here's One Eyes. You get a little uh, little clip of him, and some really good music that sets the feel. Warn them. <sighs> 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 
come to the golden land. And I shall conquer the golden city. Steady, steady. Who's there? I shall trample and break them and not show pity. No man escapes the mighty one. So that's Christopher Paul Greener, and he was a giant. He actually was a giant. He was the like the. F- Tallest person in the UK for the longest time. That voice? Yeah. Uh, he was seven <clears throat> foot six inches. Is that what you have in front of you there? Yeah, I was just looking it up. He was also in uh, The Elephant Man in 1980. Oh, but he played a giant. Like, so he well, just was a ma- And he was also a basketball player. So I also have an interesting fact about the One Eye as well. Go right ahead. So Paul Matthews was the original voice of the mighty One Eye, and he was just a delivery person that Richard Williams overheard in an elevator oh. on the way to his rehearsal space. He hired him for his deep, dark voice despite no prior acting experience. Now, I don't know if that's well, that's not who we're listening to there. Yeah, what I, well, I'm seeing the original version, it says Christopher Greener, so huh. maybe it changed. I don't know. Uh, it's a good well, voice, though. Yeah, well, ma- this also could have been uh, back in the 70s. Oh, true. Before this voice was, was uh, added. Yeah, added. And and uh, you, you get to see the guy, he gets on the. the horse and he's mm-hmm. just he's trucking it trying to get back to warn yeah. you know to warn what's happening it's definitely an extended um <clears throat> scene as in the this recobbled version which i'm assuming you got this clip from yeah yeah this is all, all from that all one? okay yeah. in that it, it takes him quite a while to get up and get on the horse and then go yeah, it's like because in the uh in the miramax version arabian night or thief of the cobbler he just kind of just jumps on he goes. well sort of uh, they just this all happens like within the first fifteen minutes of the movie too. Oh, so it so, sets it up. Yeah, and it, it, you don't see that. Fu- you don't hear that full speech. Oh wow! Uh, and it's just him going, "Let's go to the city and take it," uh, essentially. And then you see this dude getting on the horse and then and then taking off, and that's it. It's not that full um, struggle to get on the horse, which where you could see a lot of that animation style, which kind of reminds me of Bakshi in some places where it looks like it was rotoscoped. A little bit. I don't know if he's using like real footage of people, people's movements, and then animating. Yeah, that. I don't know. I but I'm like, because if it isn't, it's still brilliant. Everything in this looks great. Because at some point, I was even like, dude, this looks like digital. Like, uh-huh. especially during the end. That, that like, scene or that shot in the beginning where they're like panning around the city and then swooping in. That's all, all by hand. hand. I know. And it's, it, well, even when um when uh like they're going down into the dungeon, like the spiral staircases and. It was all the, done by him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the thief like bouncing because like you know he you falls. Mean the chase. Yeah. When he, are or we no, caught up on that? Uh, which one? The chase when he uh, steals Yum Yum's shoe and then the cobbler chases him down. Uh, uh, not yet. We're getting there. Okay, cool. Yeah, we're getting there because he's about to escape. Um, I don't remember if this is before or after, but we do get to go to, like Zigzag's lair and we kind of get to meet his bird Fido. 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 Which is Iago. Which is Iago. Yeah. I mean, it really is just yeah. A, that was another character that didn't have speaking lines. No, until you'll the, hear him. He was just kind of. Yeah, they gave him a voice in the other version. Oh, did they? Oh, yeah, and the, the, the thief has a voice too. That's Jonathan Winters, and he never he never speaks like because his mouth never moves. It's just always his internal dialogue. Like he walks around, he'll be in one place. He'll be like, oh, well, only college kids live like this. This place is a, this place is a dump. <laughs> but that's coming from him, who has flies and shit flying yeah. around him. Yeah, and then he like when he falls in the water, you hear his eternal dialogue, like of him swimming. Of him, he's like, oh, I guess I gotta try a new method or something like that. Yeah. I don't remember exactly. I'll have what to watch it. it. I, don't, I really don't know if I'm gonna. Like it's it. about twenty minutes shorter. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. 
Well, here's a, here's a little zigzag. You have to hear the, the great Vincent Price. Mm. Here he is. Sleep, they're all asleep. But I am quite awake. Hey, Fido. I rise above the human heap. The world is mine to take. Hey, Fido. Men are fools who walk in dreams. They sleep their lives away. But I, Zigzag, will reign supreme. For they are easy prey. If I don't. <laughs> For I intend to take as wife the daughter of the king. And with her as my royal bride, I'll rule in public sight with Princess Yum Yum at my side. The crown is mine by right, eh, Fido? How could I forget? I fear you haven't eaten yet. For you, dear bird, a special treat for breakfast. You'll have cobbler. <laughs> so you get this thing where he always rhymes when he's talking. And I, just hearing Fido, it reminds me of, uh, of uh, the rescuers down under. The character Joanna, like the lizard, that oh yeah, he's like you want eggs? I'll yeah. give you eggs. Hey Joanna, um, home, home on the range. I was just reading. Animals are all tied up in chains. So, um, many of the characters um, are believed to be modeled after animators and other people that work directly with Richard Williams. Uh, the thief character is uh, supposed to be a caricature of Ken Harris, who animated much of his scenes. Uh, Zigzag is believed to be modeled after Omar Ali Shah, who left the production in 1972 over the embezzlement allegations. Uh, the witch, um, who we will eventually meet, mm. was modeled after Grim Natick, who also animated much of uh, the scenes with her in it. Um, the original design for Fido was actually based on Peter Lorre's appearance. Um, I can see why it could yeah, sound like totally. Peter Lorre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, that is twice now. You've struck me. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched the Maltese Captain Falcon. Nemo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Tarek was modeled after uh, silent comedians Harry Langdon and, and uh, uh, Larry Seaman as well. Seaman? Seaman? No. Oh, uh, sure. And then Harry Chaplin, or Charlie Chaplin, rather. Harry Chaplin. Yeah, yeah, Harry Chaplin. Chapin? Harry Chapin. Um, and the brigands' design was largely based on the style of political cartoonist Ronald Searle. Yeah, we're about to get to the brigands here in a moment. They they have a they have a fucking song uh, in the Merrimax version that's called um, this is the title Bomb 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 Beam Bomb 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 Beam Bomb 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 Beam Bomb That's what bum, bum, that's what bum, happens bum, when you don't go to school. That's the, that's the parenthetical 
on that one. Oh, bomb, man. bomb, bomb, beam, bomb, something. It's dumb. And also, <laughs> according to this, um, when he was originally recording the voice talents for the brigands, he got a bunch of Irish actors to do it and was feeding them booze uh, while they were recording. Just shit. get get them drunk, and so some of the squabbles became real. So, it, Zigzag goes down to pretty much feed the cobbler to Fido. Gators. Yeah. No, no, no. This is oh where, to Fido. Yeah, oh. Fido. Because oh. and then he's trying to escape. He's a vulture, right? Yeah, he's a vulture. Okay. And so he tries to do it, but then you figure out that the 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 horseman returns, and King Nod is like, "I need Zigzag," so he can't yeah. feed him. He's like, "Oh shit, I gotta go back up there." Yeah. And then that's when we figure out, yeah, the balls have been stolen. Zigzag yeah. escapes, starts chasing the thief. This is where we have that crazy uh, chase scene. Also, I. Thing. Where the balls keep falling out and they're rolling oh, all over the yeah, place. Oh, yeah, they're, like, bouncing everywhere. Yeah, yeah like, just balls. Just, yeah, it's, it's, it's like super bouncy balls. People are screaming, <laughs> running around. Yeah. Um, and then well, Zigzag and his minions pretty much get the balls. And so he decides, yeah. he tries to blackmail King Nod into being like, I'll give you the balls back if I can marry your daughter. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And King Nod's like, get the fuck out yeah, of here. Yeah, yeah, basically, he's like, I yeah. kick rocks, get Zigzag. So Zigzag's like, well, Which was surprising to me. I thought yeah. he was going to be like, oh, good thing, anything. Yeah, anything. And he was just like, no, fuck that. Yeah, my daughter's more important. <laughs> like, what? All right, cool. Yeah. No dad. Uh, well, he kicks him out, and then Zigzag, mm. Zigzag decides, well, I'll just take the balls to the One-Eyes. You know, I'll renegotiate and... The balls to the one yeah, eyes. He goes to the one eyes. Give the balls. <laughs> you're a dirty man. Whatever, man. <laughs> you got a you got a couple balls in a one eye yourself. So he he ends up telling his daughter Num Num, which is Princess Num Num, right? Num, yum, num. yum 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 num num. Yeah, some num nums. <laughs> num nums with yum yums. Uh, Princess Sheesh. yum yum, uh, and she ends up taking the cobbler with her, and so they decide to take a caravan, 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 and. Go to find this witch. The king nods like, go see the witch. She'll yeah. help you out and tell you what to do. Did you notice, too, also, I wondered why this was a detail, but uh, Tack goes from being very pale to being rather tan. As they get out in the desert, his color changes. A little bit, yeah. He's not you as know? gray. Because I, yeah. I think he's, like, fulfilling his destiny, maybe. Is that something? what that's supposed to mean? Because maybe he's just, like, finally getting out of the... Could have been different artists. The dreams of the city. I don't know. But, yeah, his color changes, and it becomes more, like, uh, well... well, well because he's he's usually like a gray. He looks black. He looks black and white almost. Right. And then yeah, maybe he's just starting even to his get, clothes are starting to get know. a little color. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Something, something, something like, that. like that. I don't know. So I have a little clip. We have the uh, the 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 what is it? The brig uh, the brigands, the brigands. And then after the brigands, uh, we're gonna there's gonna be zigzag, and he's kind of talking about going to see the one eyes. Okay. Now, the brigands uh, before this scene, they're kind of all just talking. You know, they're building stuff. They're kind of dumb idiots. Yeah. Simpletons. But gigantic. Sure. They also look like lepers. Like one of them, one or two of them is missing a nose and an ear. Well, they've been on the sun, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, like no almost, orange juice. Maybe, no, maybe they have like, you know, no scurvy, scurvy or something. <laughs> yeah. You never know. <laughs> uh, and so the scene I'm going to play is they, they see the caravan coming up and then they kind of bum rush it. And that's when they talk to like okay. yum yum and all that stuff. Here it is. Who are you? Well, I. I am Ruthless, the chieftain, and this is my band of brigands. We are the scourge of the countryside. I am the Princess Yum Yum, daughter of your king. 
And that's my nose you're sitting on. You're a disgrace to your profession. Just look at you. Look at the state of your shoes. Well, things have not been too good lately, like you know. I mean, in fact, this is the first caravan we've seen for 30 years, isn't it, boys? That's true. <clears throat> well, uh, we is doing our best. Your country is in great danger. I hereby declare you my royal guard. Oh. Royal guard, boys. You will accompany us on our perilous journey to save our golden land. The camp of the One-Eyes. How very nice. Perhaps they'll be willing to pay my price. I'll have these barbarians kissing my feet. And maybe we'll find you something to eat. Hey, Fido? Gentlemen, gentlemen, what a delight. To meet you all here on such a fine night. Yeah, so I was just reading that mm -hmm. uh, Fido, it's Eric Bogosian. Who did the in voice the, in the in the the Arabian Night? Yeah, and it was Donald Pleasance in the OG. Yeah, and no, like uh, Eric Bogosian's one of my favorite playwrights. Yeah. Wasn't he? Yeah. Wait, wasn't he in um, Under Siege Two? Probably. Uh, he's a great playwright, though. Like he's a playwright. Radio. Yeah, he's a great playwright. Talk radio, uh, suburbia. No, he's done a lot of stuff. Hold the phone. <laughs> you didn't know that? I mean, I know who he, I know who he is. Yeah, I know no, he's, he's a, playwright. a playwright. Yeah, very very talented one. What? Hang on. Bogosian? Yeah, Eric Bogosian. Anyway, I'll keep talking. Okay, no, yeah, I got it right here. Hang on, hang on. Yeah. Okay. You didn't know this? No, I didn't, but I I'm also I, I looking may, at his... I think I may have some of his... So he's been in a bunch of his shit. His acting credits. Hang yeah. on. This is brought to you by Fish Looking Things Up. Yeah. Do, 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 do. Uh, he was... Okay, now I'm really getting blown away. <laughs> Talk radio, I see that one yeah. right here. Before that, he was in The Stuff... That's awesome. The Thief and the Cobbler. Okay. He's in Witch Hunt. That's great. I didn't know that. Under Siege 2. There he is. That's why I know him the best. Um, Beavis Butthead to America. Probably. There's probably a voice on that. Deconstructing Harry. In the Weeds. Wow, he's in In the Weeds. What the fuck? All right, let's not get off on Eric Okay, all right, whatever. So, uh, uh, where was I? Yeah, Zigzag goes and he talks to the... And this we get to meet, like, these... Uh, Gossip. The, the one-eye women, like the sex slaves or something. Okay. Do you remember that? <clears throat> and I guess I was reading about, like, because the one-eyes have, like, these women. You know, they're all big and burly. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And there's, like, a million of them. And I guess uh, the Arabian Knight took them out because they were supposed to be sex slaves, but they, they left in, like, the throne. Because one eye goes to sit down and like the women just kind of create the throne for him. Like, oh, I see. Yeah, down. yeah, yeah. Uh, he tries, Zigzag tries to like, you know, sell him the balls and everything like that. And he's like, nope, I'm going to feed you to my alligators. And then <laughs> yeah. he's like, and then he pretty much like becomes friends with the alligators. Like, no, it's okay. I'll enchant you. We're, 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 we're good to go. Yeah, and he starts like riding them around. Like, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, almost like uh, the first rescuers. Like how she rides like yeah, her. Yeah, totally. Uh, like, the crocodile's I was like that. skis almost. I was also thinking about his his uh, his demise is very similar to Scars from Lion King. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where his own ends. minions turn on him and chew him up. And that's the end of the movie. No, I'm just <laughs> uh, where was I? We are um, okay. Yeah. So they end up. 
yeah, the caravan, they end up going to the witch's house, which is really yeah. cool. It's like this mountain that's shaped like a hand. Right. And when they get up there, the hand kind of moves. It's very, like, Indian style, like uh, India, like the, with the yeah. runes on the hand and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. Really I was thinking, I got, like, Holy Mountain vibes out of it, too. I got Holy Mountain vibes out of this whole movie, but it's <laughs> yeah. just better. Did you really? Oh, well. Yeah, just like the artwork and the way it's shot. So we meet the witch, and she is a character. Sure is. Like, she's just old lady. I think I think when you listen, she even says, like, I'm going to go on a little trip. Like, she goes, like, yeah. get high, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, here's the witch. Mad and holy old witch. I am Princess Yum Yum of the Golden City. <laughs> Our Golden City is going to be under attack. My father says you could tell us how we can save our city. Hmm. We'll pay. Okay. Have we one here who can save your city? Eeny, meeny, miny, moo! Tack? Can Tack save our city? she decides to get like real high and does all these dances and yeah. like you know like the smoke billows in and i think she says like attack 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 see like you'll use attack this. attack yeah attack attack attack, attack a taxi but it's what you it's what you do with it what you've got so she kind of gives her a hint like yeah you're gonna win this by using your tack by right? using a tack, tack. Yeah. yeah attack with attack and that's got like multiple meanings it's not just Physically attacking with attack, but attack with the attack. Yeah, the guy here he is. It's gonna take attack. So, and what's cool about this is that the thief has been following them the entire time through the mm -hmm. desert. So he's got some things, and he's even like he made like a flying machine. Like he's flying yeah. around. Like well, okay. The thing about the thief, which yeah. is interesting, is he was animated by Ken Harris, who's also famous for animating Wile E. Coyote. Oh, really? So you got a lot of those, uh, like kind of, uh, yeah, like the, like the, 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 yeah, the wheezing and the huffing and the and the creative sort of like uh, built, you know, yeah, these pole vaulting, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the way he like falls out of the window into the trees during the chase scene. Oh, dude, it's, it. You guys have to watch this movie. Okay. Do we do we sort of gloss over that part where he chases, uh, where Tack chases him with the shoe? Because uh, I, I was like, 
a little before because we're getting to the end where we meet the one eyes and they have the yeah, whole yeah. battle. We may field. we may gloss over. There's a lot of chase scenes in it because that's one, fine. Yeah, because one one point <clears throat> earlier on, she, she uh, the thief ends up like going into the princess's room. Oh, which has like that wolf bed. Yeah, she sleeps. Oh, on yeah, with all the wolves. That was really cool. Oh, too. and it was also a scene that was taken out of the Arabian Night version, which you do see in this version where. The thief um, pretty much steals anything shiny that he likes. Oh, yeah, the one is in the hand. He takes the two back scratchers from the women in their tubs. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Which yeah. are supposed to be his her sisters. There's like Princess Yum Yum, Princess Mimi, and Princess um, like Nunu, or I don't even know what all their names yeah, he, are. Yeah, he steals their back scratchers while she's in the tub. Right. And then he gets caught for stealing. Yeah. And they're going to chop off his hands. Right. And, instead and he, he just the sticks the back scratchers <laughs> that look it. like hands. Yeah, I forgot about that. They, they they chop off, and then he just runs away, just scurries yeah, he's away. Like, he's like, <laughs> he's like I'm out of here. Yeah, it doesn't scream or anything. And there's a really great scene, which I think is one of the, there's like a remastered 4K cut of this scene in particular, if you just want to find the clip on YouTube, of the uh, chase where... Um, the thief takes uh, Yum Yum's shoe from the cobbler, and then he chases him through the palace, and that's where you get those like very Escher-esque yeah, uh, artwork. Yeah, where, where it's almost two-dimensional, and they're running. It's almost like a side-scroller, and you see... Yeah, uh, it's, it's, there's like an effect that's a lot like a, uh, a zoetrope. Yeah. It's, One of those un- things. it's unbelievable. Well, during that scene, the music they chose to use in that movie was called um, Scheherazade, which was uh, a also commonly known as... Uh, it's. OP35, how do you say that? Like if you're titling like a musical number or a piece uh, of music. I don't know. Operation. Op35, um, it says. O- o- Oped, maybe? like an Opus 35? Opus, yeah, it might be Opus. Well, anyway, it's a symphonic suite composed by Nikolai Rimsky-Karsakov from 1888, and it's based on the 1001 Nights, which is also known as Arabian Nights. Hey, hey. Because the name Scheherazade refers to a um, like a queen consort. Okay. So that was the music that they chose. In, I in think the, the I think the music for this is, I think without the music, I, I don't mm-hmm. think it'd be a, a good. It would still be a good movie, but the music really enhances all the art. That sure, they yeah, uh, yeah. I think you're right, especially with all the well, the the movement, the momentum of some of the oh, scenes it, have. You can especially, feel especially especially during like the the Goldberg machine that the Rube the, the Rube, Rube Goldberg. Goldberg oh thing. yeah, with the with the war machine. Yeah, so the the Tack and the others, they return to the Golden City uh, to find that the One-Eyes have built, like, this massive war machine, mm-hmm. and it's, like, approaching. And during this time, the somehow the thief gets gets he, he gets on board of the war machine, and, and, and pretty yeah. much the balls are what's kind of powering the war machine, almost. Like, it's just, like, they have it there. They can do whatever they want. It's, like, the magical power type Oh, yeah, I see. Okay. And, and so, that's when he sort of... That's when he sort of like magoos the whole thing. Yeah, right? the, it just because during <laughs> during this time there's not a lot of talking. It's just a lot of like battling. Yeah, the, the, the brigands go and in and they're fighting. The entire color palette changes. It's all like red, red and, and black and, just and dark steel. It's, and yeah, it's, it's like real, a volcano. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like being inside like the mouth of a volcano. Yeah, or something. And like it even that. says here it's like uh, and yeah, because Tack ends up like shooting a single tack at the enemy. You know, right. he figures it out. He does ties his shoes together and does like a little but you. And and that's what ends up like hitting the Goldberg machine and making it just fall to fucking pieces, right? Because it's just like piece by piece at a time, and then all of the the weapons within the machine itself start like falling back on themselves, and and then just fucking up the whole. And, and Zigzag gets hit, and he falls off his uh, his horse, and they and then he ends up falling into a pit where the those alligators were yeah. with Fido, yeah, and Fido and the alligators end up eating him, yeah, you know, just yeah. like, oh, aren't you an ass? Uh, I guess there was originally uh, an ending where um, Zigzag would conjure a dragon. Oh, what the hell! And then, oh, okay. 
and then like the the attack would hit the dragon and then cause it to like fall like, into the machine or something like uh no he would like uh like <clears throat> explode into like a like a cloud of gas or something and then then that would that would end up taking out the war machine but they changed that a while ago uh, i think yeah i like the goldberg s chain reaction i think i do too yeah and, definitely and, uh, makes a lot more work for yeah, the animators. And then you have the thief doing this whole Mr. Magoo thing where he just survives this machine. And at the end, he, you know, like, because Tack has been trying to get the balls back and, you know, yeah. they're fighting over it. And, and the thief just goes, you know what? Fuck it. Take them. Well, it, 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 it was sort of caught. It was like, oh, there they are, the balls. This man has saved them for us. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> then, yeah here he you just go. Hands yeah. He's like, whatever. <laughs> And the the prophecy is is fulfilled. You know, they destroy the one eyes. Right. They they all go away, and and then at the end, I have the ending of this, and I really like the end of this movie. Um, we get to hear Tack say one line, which is done by Sean Connery, right? Um, uh, except it's not. It's not Sean Connery. No, that's what I was telling you at the, uh, right before we st- we hit record. Is uh, yes, he was. Um, he doesn't say I love you though. He was scheduled to be there. He even sat in. That's right few- here. Only one line. But it was not, it, uh, according to this, it wasn't recorded by him. He's credited for it, but it was actually given to, like, the, the, the director's wife's friend. Oh, uh, yeah. Because he okay. just didn't show up. Or they lost it. That could have happened. You know, because some of the, most of the dialogue was recorded. I love you. Between 68 and 90. Yeah, I love you. Pushing along the wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs> what is this movie? A thief and the what? The thief and the cobbler. All right, so I'm going to play this. Um, you're going to hear some music, and, and, and then you're going to hear a lot of something crazy at the very end, which I, I think is... A real good ending to this film. Okay. The prophecy is fulfilled. The city owes you a great debt of gratitude. Oh, Cobbler, how can we ever repay you? Father. Oh. So that sound you're hearing at the end yeah, it's the, is uh, the, the thief grabbing the film and ripping it and stealing it, and then yeah. walking away. I think it's so. I think that's a get great real thing. meta at the end. Yeah, you, that's really good. You know what? If I can't have the balls, I'll have the entire movie. I'll take the movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's got your world in my pocket now. And then the flies you could hear, and then his footsteps retreating. This is a great film. It's a, f- a fucking I, fantastic. If, film. if I could give it six ducks, I would. But I'm, I just I, I'm going to give it five. And okay. yes, I will. I would rewatch this again. Especially I got to give it cobbled one. I got to give it five ducks too. And I think this will be a movie I will watch in the future. You know, maybe if I'm you know doing some recreational drugs. Yeah, something <laughs> something very visual. Yeah, no, I, I thought about yeah, that. I thought it's going to play with your, your vision like, a little. It's good music, good so, visuals. Yeah. So that last scene there with the uh, with the war machine breaking up. Um, I think has about, I think the original cut here, the one we watched has about uh, over a thousand 
on-screen deaths that occur in the uh, in oh, the in the uncut one hour and thirty. Yeah, it's unbelievable, version. dude. Like, there's a lot of those uh, one eyes that are just, just being crushed by out. everything. They're just like, whoop. Yeah. <laughs> like, like what? They get squished by a bug, <laughs> like a like it just yeah, <laughs> like a bug, like just. Uh, and the other versions uh, cut those down considerably. Um, but yeah, that's I don't know, the, I don't know uh, why they would cut down that scene. Like, that's the the best scene in the movie of of just they probably didn't um, cut the. Uh, the entire machine like falling apart, but maybe just the. So the, when you're done listening to this podcast, stop what you're doing. Uh, if you go to the, if you actually go to our Facebook and see my first post about yeah. that we're doing Thief of the Cobbler, the link yeah. is in there. Oh watch, yeah, yeah, watch yeah. the movie. Watch the movie. Watch it. It it took me a little while to like get into it because I kept pausing it and going to do something. But, sure. But yeah. once once it started, it, you yeah. really get sucked. You do, in. You, you do get pulled in. Yeah. And so yeah, it's funny too because that last line you heard there, I and I, I love you. It's a very deep, manly voice. Uh, and then they would choose Matthew Broderick to, to be the voice of that character after hearing that one line. Also, like, yeah, the, the thief in the Miramax one, the Arabian Night, Jonathan Winters, which, you know. Yeah, he was the thief. The classic, uh, classic funny man. Mm. Robin Williams based his career. Yeah, he's just of. riffing, it sounds like, the whole time when you hear him. He's just like, what's going on here? How do I get in this place? Burr, burr, burr. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Um so yeah, uh, five ducks all around, six honorary six. If honorary six for me, definitely. If, if you if you will allow a sixth duck into our system. Um, so normally, um, we would uh, this would be the point from which we draw from the duck bucket and choose our next movie. But uh, we're coming up on uh, Fish's birthday. My birthday, yeah. And this will mark the start of season three. Maybe not this episode, the following. I think your birthday. I think yeah, it's around it's around into September, October, which I've got Rios working on a, a new design for us. So cool. We'll be throwing that up. At some so point. between the points of my birthday and Josh's birthday, season three will start, and this makes two years of us on the podcast, uh, which is wild. I, I think this next movie would be the last of season two. Yes, yeah. this will be the last of season yeah, two. The yeah. next movie we're going to do. Which, uh, Fish, and, why don't you tell them what we're doing? Oh, uh, man, I'm real excited. excited. I've been waiting for two, two years. years. <laughs> uh, I've been waiting one full year since the uh, the delay of this particular movie. We will be covering Frank Herbert's Dune, uh, the David Lynch version from 1984. And uh, I can't tell you how uh, pleased as punch I am right now that I get to talk about one of my favorite movies of all time, one of my favorite stories. One of my favorite like uh, intellectual properties and sci-fi uh, fucking series. It's gonna be fantastic. Series, series, series. It's a series, I think. Plural, yeah. And um, and that's available on HBO Max, by the way. It's on HBO Max, yes, of course. Uh, and and this is all leading into the theatrical release of uh, Denis Villeneuve's um, Dune, which is coming out in October. Also being released on HBO Max on October twenty second. Uh, and so this is just uh, just a way to kind of like uh, be get on the hype train early, and also gives me a reason to wax ecstatic about my favorite shit. So expect uh, uh, bring bring your pens and paper for that episode. I'm gonna you're gonna you're get gonna comfy. Some notes. Get, get comfy. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna bore you with a bunch of the details that you could probably find yourself, but I will talk briefly about Frank Herbert and his 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 life, his uh, his books dune itself how dune is beyond just the first novel and on into like things like uh chapter house which officially ended his run before his son took over with hunters of dune and sandworms of dune and all of those various interquells uh because there's a lot of lore uh in and around dune which i think is only rivaled by something like lord of the rings 
or um or it's even one, it's Isaac Asimov. One of those big yeah. Yeah, it's series. big and it's fun. Uh, and so if you're not familiar with Dune, tune in. If you are familiar with Dune, tune in. Uh, Otherwise, tune in. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna love it. Uh, and with that, I would like to thank again all of our lovely patrons uh, for uh, contributing monthly to the show. That is D Rock, Chris Gee, Shea, Money, Voy Pronto, um, Samantha, Cinemantha, I should say, uh, Patty Edwards, Mister uh, Rios from the Rios Verse, Samwise Stripes. And Tim Bo, thank you again to AJ Simmons, the producer of the show. And uh, I have been Fish. And my name is Josh, and we'll catch you in a couple of weeks for Dune. Bom, 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 bom. <laughs> Thank you.